Enter New R Presents. Happy Hour at the Old Timer Tavern, Episode 14. Two DMs are better than one. This episode was recorded live at twitch.tv slash lantern noir. Hey, good afternoon. It is five o'clock, and that means that Gray and I are finally off work and on to the Dungeons and the Dragons and whatever potent potable we can pour for ourselves on which to use to purify our pontifications. Mm-hmm. I'm glad I did that at the top of the show because by the time I get to the bottom of this class, I will not get through that <laughs> effectively. I am uh, Rob, aka Lantern Noir, uh, the host, one of the two hosts, I should say, host at Lantern Noir Presents, but also a co host of Happy Hour at the Old Timer Tavern, oldtimertavern at gmail.com. We welcome your emails. And with me is my my regular partner, Graybeard or Graybeard's Tavern. And uh, you can find me at Twitter mostly. That has my whole schedule and uh, uh, all the things I do. Well, all the things I do online. I do a lot offline nowadays. Hmm. Could, anyway. Could it be <laughs> that the light at the end of the tunnel is not oncoming train? Uh, I, I would I would hope. <laughs> <laughs> uh there's so many good lines with that. The other one is like, just because you're following tracks doesn't mean that you're chasing down your prey. You might be about to get hit by a train. <laughs> so, yeah, there's a lot of those that float around. So how's the week been? What's what's new with you with gaming? Uh, so I um, we didn't have masks. Mm-hmm. We Saturday night, we uh, we farted around so long with the grognards just yammering. We had one missing player that we ended up just, you know, talking politics and stuff. And uh, <laughs> it was fun. We still we still yammered and joked for you know a couple hours, and then um, and but I had to get up extra stupid early on Sunday because I was in a charity event over on uh, Sauce Fire TV. Um, he was doing his. Um, Oh, what's it called? Mercy Road um, charity event. It's the I think the second time he's done it, uh, and it's a twenty-four hour stream. He dungeon masters for twenty-four hours straight, and I was in at uh, my session started at six a.m. So he had been DMing for eighteen hours at that point. Eighteen hours straight. So. Uh, yeah, it was, it was awesome. It was, it was awesome. He's a great guy. Give him a yell. We made five grand or something for, for, for children's hospitals. So uh, when I do my week thing, put his uh, contact in the chat. Okay, cool. So we can get that record out there. Yeah. That's Uh, awesome. Yeah. So that was a lot of fun. I got to play a goblin, uh, rogueificer. So he was three levels rogue, three levels artificer. And uh, he 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 was all kinds of all kinds of fun to play, you know, because I got to do the goblin voice and, you know, and, <laughs> you know, wear, wear steampunk goggles and, and, you know, all the, the good whole, stuff. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I had a bullet, uh, uh, costume bullet belt and then the bullets kept popping out of it and then it kept falling apart, <laughs> and, and, which was perfect for this sounds like like, a goblin. crazy goblin. Yeah. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, anyway, good times with that. And then um, I did uh, my Grifland show 
and uh i got to we finally got back to we had to take a break so we were playing the witcher and now with the the group i play that's mostly from the uk we started playing Zweihander again uh which is hmm. uh a takeoff of uh warhammer fantasy uh role play oh cool yeah, so good, uh, good, fun weekend. It was nice to be back to it. Yeah. Uh, I play a big, big, lumpy berserker, you know, who talks like this, you know. Yeah, he's good. Um, and he's a man of few words, but then when I talk, it's hilarious because I've got such a goofball accent compared to everyone else in the campaign. Uh, there was no way I was going to try to do an English accent or a Scottish broke or any other kind of, you know, uh, accent with real English people. <laughs> no. No, that's where you break it. Yeah, I think the normal, I think that, uh, so you went to go into sauna. Exactly. That's like the, the nickname. By the way, um, Ear, thank you for hanging out. Glad to see you there. Hey. I'd say we're, we're kind of doing our check-in right now. So it sounds like... Yeah. Like Grace, speaking of Goblin Artificer, I finally, mm. after three, two full sessions of playing and four weeks since I introduced the character, I have named the halfling from my Candlekeep game. Aha! Uh -huh. In the Candlekeep game, um, I've added an NPC who is one of the bookkeepers, uh, librarians at Candlekeep, and she is a halfling artificer who specializes nice. in clockwork animals. Oh, so like when they when they arrived at Candlekeep, she broke out this clockwork badger that she pulled out of a bag of holding that she yeah. then dialed into the room they were going to uh -huh. and sent it. And it automatically led them to the room they were supposed <laughs> to go to because that's what it does. <laughs> and when they came back, it was kind of a two for one. Um, we were close to we had to wrap the evening up. We had to like get to the stop point. Um, because I have a firm, like, I really want to wrap up by 1030 Eastern so that my players can all get to bed. Um, mm -hmm. And I'm like, crap, there's still one more combat encounter they're supposed to have. And it's, they're going to win the encounter. Mm -hmm. And they're really, like, they've already had this sense of accomplishment. So they open the door. Uh, they, they come into the study room and they open the door and the imp's about to attack. And the artificer's clockwork bear ah, just nice. one shots it. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. And they're all like, wow, we like her. And I'm like, you know what? I, I kind of do too now. <laughs> but I, I finally gave her her name. So buckle okay. up. I, I'm ready. Her current name is Contessa Mariana. Al mm, start over. Mm -hmm. Contessa Mariana Axelovich von Cogsprocket. Third of my name, but you can call me Connie. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. And if if they if anyone makes a comment about the third of the name, it's well, yes, we don't talk about the the other two, especially the first. It was very tragic. <laughs> and I'm banking on someone to go, but what happened to the first? Because then I can uh. counter immediately with, what part of we don't talk about did you not understand? <laughs> the first rule of being the third is we don't talk about it. Yeah. The second rule is we don't talk about it. <laughs> so, but yeah, that was um, we wrapped up uh, the first adventure for Candlekeep last week. And we're gearing up for the second, and I, I think I've managed to bridge them together this time. I spent way too much time the last two days trying to work on the third adventure in Candlekeep because it's kind of this weird little, like, kind of a dungeon crawl, kind mm -hmm. of not. And and there's this weird, um, what's the make up an app for that? A thing you needed last time. Oh, an app. I'd love to hear about that. Um, what ended up happening is. Um, the third 
I think they first wrote it with the intention of like, oh, and here's some monsters you can clear out of this this place. And then they said, you know what we're going to do? We're hmm. going to make the monsters good guys and put the players in a funny spot. <laughs> Which is a neat plot twist. But then it's like, yeah. what are they there to do? So I had to like, all right, I think I can massage this into an actual thing. And then Sunday, um, Nebula is still not feeling well. She's been trying to shake this thing she's got, and it's not it. Yeah. Yeah, something yeah, else. But okay. She's been trying to shake it for a couple of weeks now, but three of us were able to play, so we did a one-shot. And my, my oh. point of pride is that one of my players kept going, I'm pretty sure he's running Death House out of Curse of Strahd. <laughs> um, but, uh, but he's not. Because there was no ghost librarian in Death House. Oh, and then, yeah. And then they find the kids and like, nope, nope, this is the ghost. This is Death House. And mm. then they go down and they don't find the monster they're supposed to. They find the succubus. He's like, wait, there wasn't a succubus in Death House. And I'm like, he gets he goes like, that was really good, man. I had no idea what was going to happen next. I mean, it all worked. <laughs> and I've run Death House, so I know what you were doing. Right. Oh, man. Ooh, random book titles. That's clever. Yeah, last Sunday, they wanted to know what books were in the library, so I grabbed a copy of our board game Ex Libris. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is full of really funny book titles. Y yeah. And just yeah, started yeah. reading them off. Oh, sweet. And, and my personal favorite of all of them still remains the book titled, Well, Actually, The History of Human Splaining. <laughs> and hold on, Gray, you're going to have to type it again. Oh, hold okay. on. Give me a second. I'm going to make actually put send it to me on oh. Discord and I'll post it because it'll take me too long to make you. No, it won't. Uh, it uh, It's a link. Yeah. Problem is, it's uh, I don't I, you don't have moderator status. Ah, OK, OK. So okay. that's why oh, it, no it ate okay. it there. Now you do. Now you can post whatever you want. I'll trust you not to be an right. idiot with it. All right. Ooh, ah, OK, I got it. Stop. OK, um, so is my week. Um. I also finished um, Arkham Horror, Mother's Embrace. Oh, oh okay. It is definitely fun. It is definitely only 10 hours. Ah. <laughs> so just it's one of those where if you're looking for like a back-to-back a -back Sundays for yourself, it's probably worth yeah. the, it's probably worth the 25 bucks. Right. But it is not a, I want to be streaming this game for the, like, right. I have a friend who spent from October until okay. now streaming valhalla mm. and wait valhalla ac valhalla oh okay okay yeah <laughs> and uh now granted he does a lot of talking while he streams but it's like no this is not a 70 hour game you you get 10. <laughs> so Did it not take yep that's a link now that, right. that took good. a link and good, good, even, good. let's put him up on the screen um sauce fire huh yeah uh, he goes by Gray also, so uh, when we're on together, it's GB and Gray, and uh, uh, it's funny. So, uh, awesome. Yeah. So I I, I forgot that uh, me and uh, the oldest house elf had our our Sunday game, mm. and I've been picking up free modules from Wizards. You know, the little mm -hmm. short. They have a ton of little short modules, and uh, this one was good. She ended up with. Because, you know, nothing more a, a teenage girl likes than pets. She ended up with a a uh, very smart rat named Nibbles Pinkerton, or Nibbles Brains Pinkerton. Uh, 
who was with uh, another character who he was the familiar of a character who was trying to take over the world, of course. So uh, there was that. And then she ended up with a pet mimic, too, oh, gosh. because it's in the, you know, it's in these modules. So it's, you know, I'm like, OK, I can't I can't. It's in there, so I can't deny you the thing. But by the time we get back to our normal campaign, she's going to have a whole zoo, you know, of, of animals, which is fine. She's a druid. We can work with it. As one does. Yeah. As one does. Well, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. So cool. I, uh, I've been trying to get the family to sit down and play some D&D. &D. Mm. But it's just it's our schedules are all crazy. Like Even tonight, my son decided at... 4 30 he was going to bed the 13 year old um and now to be fair there's a little bit of uh he's been running midnight oil a lot lately and then doing a lot of school work and then he got slammed today with like probably something with his workload and then a your teachers are concerned you're not going to pass japanese if you don't up your your output yeah 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 um so he got nailed kind of hard so we'll see how that all kind of pans out uh our topic this week was and this was uh ear suggested this uh, over on the Discord server, which if you are not on, you should check it out. There's a, a Discord server. You can find the link on any of the shows or um, in the show notes. And uh, you're welcome to contribute ideas there besides the email. Uh, the question was, how does it work when you have two dungeon masters? <laughs> and and my first thought was, well, that's a great, like, I know we can do that as an email segment. And then mm -hmm. you took that and went, oh, no, 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 no. I have stories. <laughs> yeah, I, I have at least a good half hour of, of, a, of tales. Okay, so that's our topic for the week. Let's talk about what it looks like when we're running uh, both the good and the bad. Combination mm -hmm. of advice and uh, things to be worried about. If you're running a two dun two Dungeon Masters to one game. Now, yeah. you, you felt confident, so you want to kick us off with the, sure. the good experiences? We'll do the tips at the end. Oh, sure, sure, sure. Uh, so... Um, <laughs> I've run multiple, multiple times with with multiple GMs. Uh, I wrote a I wrote a game system that was kind of a universal game system back in ninety one, ninety two, and back then it was great because uh, we were running the college Western Michigan Gamers Guild. We were running the guild. We created the guild, and then we're running it. Um, and you know, we'd regularly have like forty players on a Friday night. And so, you know, there was always rooms and, and things and uh, a goodly amount of games, usually like at least a half dozen games being played. Um, so we decided one time that <laughs> we were going to use my my universal system to play a starship game. And we were going to have a first encounter starship game. So one ship was like a federation ship and one ship was like a Klingon ship. But the Klingons were like four foot tall weasel people called the Gra. And the Federation people, I forget what they were called, but they were humans or mostly humans. And it was, we had them in two different classrooms on the campus. And the two DMs were me and my buddy Muddy. And me and Muddy would meet in the hall and we'd blah, 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 what's happening, where they're at, you know, fog of war. And then they could make moves and do stuff. And um, basically, like I said, it was a meeting um, encounter at this new planet. Basically, this planet had uh, <laughs> had just begun 
uh, you know, just getting into space. So they were able to send out a signal that these two other factions were able to pick up on and come to, you know, look for this, this signal that was coming. And, and I forget they were like turtle people or something. So, <laughs> so I was playing the turtle person and I had a bathrobe. And so when one made contact with the indigenous people, I'd lump the bathrobe over my head and walk in the room and we'd have the discussion, you know, oh, but we've already given the mining rights to these other people. And the two ships haven't really spotted each other or no. Yeah. What had happened is the Federation was all like sensors and stuff. And, and my buddy Muddy, who is an amazing cartoonist, he had drawn the ships. So the Federation ship looks like this nightmare with like all these protrusions that look like laser beams and whatever, but it's, it's, it's all sensor arrays. They have almost no weapons. <laughs> and the other, the other ship is like, you know, a, a raiding, you know, plundering Viking vessel. It's like, you know, bare bones, no, you know, we fly by the stars kind of thing. So it has no, you know, electronics or whatever, just a lot of big DACA, you know, bunch of guns and whatnot. And so the two of them, the Federation saw the other starship way before <laughs> before the, the weasels recognized them. So it kept going back and forth. And like I said, we would meet in the middle, we'd go, and then we'd go back with the information. And then every time something would change, we'd, we'd meet out in the hall, we would just knock on the wall, and the two DMs would come out. And eventually, we had the scene where they, they uh, you know, did the view screens and could see each other. And so then we had both crews out in the hall, you know, staring each other down and stuff. Oh my God, it was so fun. It was just so, so fun. Um, but yeah, uh, it, it's, it's going in with a plan and communicating between, between the two DMs that are, that is the, the, the big thing for that. Um, like we had set it up, like I, I said, we used this kind of universal system that had a really good, uh, a good, um, starship system that had was really kind of crunchy vehicle system that was really kind of crunchy but it I put it this way a, a, a an individual who was a mathematician studying math on purpose looked at it and went this is genius <laughs> and i'm like uh i failed algebra i don't know how genius that it could possibly be thank you very much but i've been gaming for 20 some years at that point you know so uh um yeah uh, a couple other de quick details on that uh i <laughs> all right this is way before safety rules and stuff so and everybody agreed to this everybody on the weasel ship agreed that the captain could flick them in the ear and it would be the weasels like uh you know uh, asserting dominance and and growling and snarling and uh, and because we were trying to get the weasels to fight each other anyway. And so, so what was crazy about it was that the weasels all snapped to went, that's the captain. I don't want to be flicked in the ear and, and did what they needed to do. Meanwhile, the Federation people were arguing left, right, and sideways. They were like, 
they they were shredding each other like we're gonna be killed we can't take those on look at all the guns you know and and stuff so it was really it was really interesting to see what we thought would happen and how it actually happened um yeah so and that's i mean that's for like it sounds like it was pretty much like an adversarial style game Mm -hmm. so it makes sense to have the two tables separated and it's a lot easier when they constantly have a dm who's handling things and as long as you kind of like get what's going on in your part of the world and you have a quick system to kind of go, Hey, uh, mm -hmm. this is, this might affect you. You should know this now. Um, <laughs> that flows really, really well. And that, yeah. that really works. In fact, a lot of like LARPs operate on the multiple game master system. Oh yeah. When you think about it where it's like, you have like a committee that, that generates the story and then a bunch of people are commissioned or, um, appointed to sort of be out there to be more of referees yes to keep the story going so that you you don't have to rely on one person to run around and go okay here's how that rule works here's how that rule works okay okay yes you're both right that's how those rules work so we're gonna <laughs> do this um which is way easier when you're when you can say dealt when you can delegate all yeah. right, you're going to be in charge of the, the library. You're in charge of the main hallway. You're going to be in the cafeteria. Those are your zones. Anyone has yeah. a dispute, they'll come to you. Well, and that, that's amazing because that, that that's a perfect example. So uh, me and my brother used to run a thing called Squishy War, which was a, a massive boffer um, mm -hmm. war uh, LARP. Uh, and because he was a Renaissance Fair guy, at the time we'd put up his renaissance fair things and we had tents and we had we had uh by the third year we had enough people and stuff to have npcs so like the town had a merchant and had an uh, old hermit uh, muddy was playing the old hermit uh wizard who had like a magic shop and throughout the day throughout the day as people brought in more stuff muddy became more and more of a necromancer <laughs> and and eventually there were zombies and basically when you were uh when you turned into a zombie you got a piece of cardboard with twine around your around, around your neck that said zombie on it like all in red you know and and you couldn't run you had to walk but anybody you touched then they had to go get a sign <laughs> from the merchant and be a zombie and uh so Lord. yeah so but but that was that was the same kind of thing me and and my brother would write the stories for the 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 event and then we would just we would play characters but we were also the referees you know who would you know dictate rules or they would uh if they found a, they would find these little white boxes and if they found a little white box it would say something on the outside only open if you you know accept this or if you drink from the chalice or whatever and then it would open and it would say stuff in there and sometimes it would say see referee for more rules or whatever yep. so then they would bring the box to us um so yeah it, it it as long as you're coordinated and you're on the same you've got the same story going you know it it really is fun mm -hmm. um well and that's the thing that's like a, that's one model where you've got that you, you need to split the table between two people because you want that that sh that fog of war so that mm -hmm. neither team gets too much of an advantage in the storyline and nobody gets bored waiting for the narrator right. to come back because you can only role play at the table within your group for so long 
right. where you kind of need to to move the plot forward. Right. So, and, and a lot of times players will be like, well, we can't move the plot forward without the DM, you know? Yeah. It would be like, DM comes back, eh, we decided to go to Brookville. We just, you know, we, we, we turned and went that way while you were gone. Uh, <laughs> now, now, that to be said, there are games out there where that's easier to do. We've talked about them before. The, the kids on bikes model is one oh, yeah. where the DM eventually kind of just walks away from the table because the players have got enough of the story going. They just keep storytelling and they know what they're rolling for stuff. And the rules right. are so easy. You don't need a referee. Um, and that's another thing I think is really kind of cool with, with my Sunday group in particular is I don't usually have to tell them much about DCs I just, and, or like what skill to do. I want to climb up there. That's athletics, right? Yep. Mm, 11th. Yeah. That's not going to be good enough. And I don't have to be the one to say it. It's like they're on it. Because they they've played enough Dungeons and Dragons, and they're like, yeah, we we get it, we know what's happening here. Uh, we're gonna try and do this thing now, um, which is neat, and that's kind. Of, I think that's where RPGs should be heading, as much as you can, unless you're really into the 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 tactical combat side of things, when you need the referee to be the. I'm gonna run the AI for the monsters, and and let's be honest, monster AI is pretty simplistic. They're all gonna advance on you, so. You know, you kind of do what you're going to do. Um, you roll a five or a six, and if you get a five or a six, they use their breath weapon again. Yeah, um. <laughs> I mean, there's some of the AI are not that advanced. Um, but my wife and I, for many years, in kind of a contrast to, to your example, we ran a, um, a just a fantasy RPG Dungeons & Dragons game, but we had eight people at the table. Mm. I want to say at the peak, because it was really hard for us to figure out who to um, include or exclude from the game. So right. we, we cast a fairly wide net. And in so doing, we had a lot of players. Mm. And and part of it too is we were, you know, we were newlyweds. We didn't have kids. And and we were, we were talking about, I, I think, I, I don't remember if we, if it was because I said I had to or she suggested we do it. But I was like, I'm going to want to talk to you about this game which is going to make it hard for you to be a player in it. Right. Cause we're kind of, this is I kind of want this to be a big, fun, crazy adventure with all these people. And so we kind of together came to the idea, well, let's both DM. Right. And so between sessions, we would both kind of kick around ideas of what could happen next. And we worked on puzzles and we worked on plot lines. We worked on, you know, that's where we, we, we brainstormed up the halfling Quakers. Yeah. Uh, which were a ton of fun to throw into the game. And then we, um, when we played, we would either trade off role playing with the party or we'd we could split the party and nobody got bored waiting uh, so if the party said i want to go go to the inn and question the barkeep about this and the other player another player probably goes yeah no i don't need to do that i'm going to go shopping for armor mm. in a traditional game you're like okay well you're going shopping for armor you chill we're going to do right. the role play scene in the the tavern and now we could go okay I'm going to take the person shopping for armor. We're going to head to the couch. Right. And she and I are going to hash it out and I, we could still role play it even. Right. And then my wife could stay over at the main table and she's, and she's like, okay, I got the barkeep. Let's do this. Right. That's awesome. I, uh, I don't think I've ever done that, uh, two DMS, one table kind of thing. Um, other than, you know, significant other being part of building the campaign. Um, so for instance, in one of my old campaigns, 
basically every every magic item in the world was on a card, was on an index card, and it was in a little packet thing because that's where the technology was at the time. <laughs> and if if you got the magic item, you got the card. And if you lost the card, you lost the magic item. So the onus was on the person to keep it because then it, it made it more like real. You know what I mean? It made it more like I exactly. This I've is got my precious. Exactly. I've got plus three armor of water breathing. <gasps> I can't. No, it goes in the book and it closes the book and <laughs> you know. Um. So. Yeah, that's, so that was that's about as as close to two DMs at the same table that I've ever played. But that's pretty cool. I like that. That way, there is none of that, you know. Particularly if it's I'm going to buy armor, which could take two seconds, you know. Uh-huh. And meanwhile, the going to the inn inn or the barkeep it could take an hour and a half. <laughs> You know, you know, we would also really benefit from this if we'd been smarter back in the day mm. is uh, Shadowrun, uh, first edition and second mm. edition. Uh, Deckers or the hackers yeah. really suffered from playing their own separate game. Yeah. And it was one where it was essential. It was, it was part of the storyline. It was part of the lore. There was a lot of value in in the game world of saying, okay, the Decker's going to hack in and try to get us in position on the mainframe. And then mm-hmm. while we're doing the job, it's going to be running along in the computer system with us. Yeah. But it's a different set of mechanics. And that would be a, that was a case where, you know, hindsight being 2020, I wish I could tell the younger me, right. if you're going to do Shadowrun, you should probably have two DMs so you can do things like split the party between separate entrances. Mm-hmm. have someone running the decker separately so that the decker can do their decking thing without it just being a, a quick hand wave of, Oh, they need me to open the door. Yeah. There's a slave note nearby. Okay. Here dice. Okay. I got the slave note open. It's, <laughs> it can be a little more engaging for them. Right. So that there's, there's stuff going on. Yeah. So yeah, because again, shadow run, particularly in, in the old days or cyberpunk, has suffered the mm-hmm. same thing where it would be the hacker person you know you you either dice wave it or you spend like an hour mm-hmm. in something that took like a second because you wanted to explain the cyber world and you're drifting and there's pyramids firing lightning at you and you know that kind of stuff you wanted to go through all that and you wanted to make it cool for the person who wanted to be that hacker but without spending you know having the other four players at the table like twiddling their thumbs oh yeah silver chrome dragon that flies through the air and you know well, and in a lot of ways i think that was a short i know we're a little off tangent we'll come back in a second mm. a little of a shortcoming for in the 90s the lack of play testing for rpgs because mm. i feel like as someone who watched first second and third editions come out and i read a, a ton of the sponsored fiction uh, that Shadowrun put out. They never did decking except for like a couple of short stories. Mm. Decking or hacking was never as intense in the lore as it was in the game mechanics. Yeah. You know, the game mechanics, it sounded like, you know, the Decker's off doing this this huge job that's taking hours. And there were very few stories that yeah. talked about what they saw. But it was, but in most of it, it was the, the team is doing the job and the Decker is in the system at the mm-hmm. same time 
And it was much, much more dynamic. It was much more exciting. You're like, oh, they're in trouble. You know what? I'm going to hack the sprinkler system. Can I do that? And it wasn't a, well, let me look at the map of the matrix layout and figure out how you're going to get to the sprinkler node, which is what was in the original rules, which you had to have a whole map for the network and all the different places they had to go and all the programs they had to launch. It's like, you could have just said, okay, yeah, here's the typical security of a slave node. Here's, here's what the, the hackers in the world to do that. And he's, or she is there without it being such a, a cumbersome mechanic, which I bet if they'd had a year of play testing under their belts yeah. and gotten feedback from players who had actually tried to do a mixed role party to go, yeah, we like this game a lot, but it kind of sucks if we don't really want to take an hour long pizza break. Cause that's what we do when the Decker's up. <laughs> right. Right. Oh, either that or the poor Decker is like, yay, I'm in the van. I made my roll. Yay. I'm still in the van. I made another roll, you know, it, yeah. Oh man. But the thing that was really neat about the two DMs at the one table, I thought too, wasn't just to split the party, but I see this happening sometimes with my, my regular games. I don't know if you ever have it pop up, mm. but you pretty much either have to have a self dialogue in front of your party mm -hmm. or you limit their NP and NPC interactions to one at a time. Mm. And, and, and the, the points of clarity where it's like, like even Sunday night, they, they came across two kids. One was uh, 11, one was 10 or no, nine. And, and I had to keep saying, this is Rose talking. Oh, I don't know if we should do that. Okay. And then the little boy says, Duh. and it's like the, 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 the chance to get into a character and get a dialogue going is really hard when you first have to say, I am speaking as, which you can kind of do with mm -hmm. accents and inflection, but there's a certain point where you want to make sure the party doesn't get lost. Right. Or where should do the like, okay, when I sit like they pick up, this is this character talking, <laughs> this is this. And you have to like, you, you get used to rotating your shoulder uh -huh. towards the party or you change your hand gestures yep. to indicate, okay, this is the boss. This is the wife. This is the kid. Um, so they can start seeing all the, uh, the different things going on. I, I do the, I do the, this way this mm -hmm. way all the time when when i have to do characters talking or i'll do like the first part i'll be like what do you think alfred hmm i don't know and then i just expound on as they begin to speak you find out betwixt yep. them that x y and z has happened <laughs> yeah you, you cut from direct dialogue into a here's what came out of the dialogue between the two npcs okay have you ever had it this is a relevant follow-up question now mm. and it hinges really well on the two dms at, at one table um have we ever actually had dedicated npc actors at the table and this is what I was talking about when we first started about the having more stories about NPCs as as DM slash players because I've been in uh, I've been in campaigns and I've run campaigns where the big bad guy was another person was was like not necessarily a co DM but they literally were the boss fighting against the party mm -hmm. uh, uh they used to run uh ravenloft every year uh friends of mine and one one person was strad every year and they were in the back room 
in the back room of the apartment and they were just strawed, you know, and literally my buddy Brian would sit and like paint miniatures and then Muddy would run in to Brian and be like, your wolves come in, sir. And they respond or bats show up and tell you where the party is and what's happening. And then he would be like, send the thralls, you know? And so he was playing as Strahd, you know, but it, as a, as an entity, uh, as I think it's a, it would be as important a job as DMing because uh-huh. it's going on. Um, I ran a campaign uh, that my friend Brent, was the Goblin King, and mm. so it was like a first, first, uh, first level starting at a first level party, and there was a Goblin tribe, and it was like meeting encounters, and Brent's job was to you know do what's best for his tribe. There it is. These are your resources. You have you know four wolves, twelve Goblin warriors, an ogre. You know this is your thing. How do you feed all these people and keep them going? And so. It was, like I said, it was, it was a co-GM situation because I literally didn't have any power over what was happening, <laughs> you know? I was the narrator betwixt the two factions, and I will tell you the amazing clever things Brent thought up to, to have his goblins do were incredible just incredible like the first encounter uh his goblins managed to snatch the party's bard and run off into the woods with with the bard so then he had a hostage so then there was this whole negotiation between the party and you know of course the goblin king isn't going to show up there he sends his minions to to negotiate and whatnot so then it was like a lieutenant and they had to deal with like a bugbear and uh you know the bugbear was and they thought ah this is the bbg give us our friend back you know and it was a very cool campaign. It was very, it was a good commitment on Brent's part to be like, well, I'll be there every session and I have to, you know, it was a good, it was more of a strategy game for him because, you know, he had to keep his pieces moving instead of interacting directly, you know? So, um, but yeah, those, uh, those are two of the you know uh, specific examples i have um i think i think one thing you bump into and when you because i with when you have multiple dms like in a larp everyone mm -hmm. that's not a player is an npc Um, and one thing that a lot of larps will do in order to get around that is there's the incentive gets kicked in of you don't pay to show up right Uh, nero uh there was an annual membership fee for nero at large and then there was a, um, blah. there was a fee for each weekend, right. which yeah, yeah. helped cover the rental of the property, insurance, profit for the company, yeah. um, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. The guys who had come out into Michigan to run it were trying really hard to like quit their day jobs so they right. could just run <laughs> Nero all the time. Right. Um, and I feel bad because like in hindsight, like looking back as a 40 year old at what these 20 year olds were trying to do. Mm-hmm. And think about where I was at 19 interacting with them. Um, just the the calculus of how do we get to a spot where we're all making rent, every, the number of players you need to be involved to yeah. make rent in profit yeah, is really high. 
But one of the incentives they would use is you didn't have to pay the registration fee every weekend if you were an NPC. Yeah. The twist was you never really, I mean, you had some agency, but you were at their beck and call. You, you were whatever character they told you they needed for the moment. And your only freedoms were when they didn't need you and they approved what you wanted to do. And mm. you could never play your personal character. Right. You right. could never advance your own character if you were an NPC for the weekend. Right. And and part of that, I think, goes to the fact that when you're playing an NPC in somebody else's game, you lose the one thing that every player wants, which is that control over their character. Uh, you know, the, hmm. the, the, and it's, it's funny because I was just reading on the forums today, a guy wanted to do, quote, the hallway moment. And it didn't like I, I first I read that the, no, it was the hallway scene is what he called it. How do I get a hallway scene for my big, bad, evil guy? Yeah. And I, I thought, OK, is he talking about like that where they walk and talk on the West Wing? Like you're trying <laughs> to like recreate that. And then I, I read the thing is like he wanted to have the big Darth Vader coming down the hallway oh, moment okay. where the whole audience goes, oh, oh. we pissed it off. <laughs> That's bad. Uh, fun fact, by the way, 10 minutes after that scene takes place, he announces he wants the prisoners brought, brought to him alive. Ah. So, so look, you can grow as a character in a very short period of time. Right. Um, but one of the responses was, if you do that for the players, they have no control over what's happening. They're watching the scene unfold, and that's it's hard for players at the table to not have control. So I think... It's neat to have an actor to play your NPCs, but you almost have to give them a bone in the form of like help write the NPCs, help write the plot line around them. You have, they have to give them some ownership because yeah. they're otherwise, why would they not just be a PC? Right. So, right, right. I mean, and yeah, I'm sure there are relationships out there where people can, there are friendships that where someone can say, I don't care what I'm doing for you. I love that you're running this game. I'm happy to be whatever character you want me to be while we're playing. But yeah. I don't think, I don't think that number is very high. Yeah. It, it would be hard to be like that. Like um, for instance, when we played um, Pendragon, some, <laughs> as things went along, sometimes you just wouldn't be part of the storyline your character for whatever reason uh mechanically you would be like uh you, sometimes your knight would fall into a melancholy and run off into the woods and and would be gone for like a session or two mm -hmm. and uh you know driven mad by his, his his you know passion or whatever uh so um so you would have to play other knights so we had this periphery of, of other friends and knights. And so sometimes, you know, I'd be playing Sir Rolf, but next week Dan would be playing Sir Rolf, <laughs> <laughs> you know? Um, so yeah, it, it's interesting. It's uh, definitely a different thing. Um, I would, um, I don't know. I would say that unless it's something like Nero or or such, yeah, it would be really hard to have NPC actors um, unless you had a big group of friends. Because I mean, I'm sorry if I popped in to play a certain character, I would want to either that be my character and stay or come back. You know, um, what I have seen happen a lot with games in that similar vein is we'll have a set group of five players 
and they've interacted with a bunch of NPCs. Maybe they have a hireling. Maybe there's a regular uh, cleric at the at the the temple they keep interacting with. It you've you as the DM you fleshed out a little bit, but mm-hmm. she still has some gaps in her character. Um, and then somebody's um, significant other wants to sit in on a game, and they want to play something. Yeah, a yeah, real yeah. easy fix is to hand them you know to pull them aside and sit down. And go okay, so here's the character. Here are the things the party already knows about the character. Why don't you tell me something that you want to add to the character so it's yours a little bit. And Mm -hmm. if you're not here next time, I'll remember it. And then you can just play this character this week and and they can tag along for the adventure. And and there's a low pressure. But that's that's how I've seen that usually play out is where it's a uh, bringing somebody in for a one time. And rather than doing all the work to introduce a backstory, you pull out an NPC and go... Hey, mm-hmm. you can be this person for the night. And then usually what happens, they have a, 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 a middle to horrible experience and they never want to do it again. Or <laughs> your NPC is now a PC because they're coming back next week. Right. Yeah. And it, it's good, too, because uh, if that if that NPC character is suddenly, you know, like totally beloved by the party, even if the person never comes back you you really cemented them to that 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 character and wants they want that npc to be more part of the story um so yeah because i've been that one before too um <laughs> uh or i i had a character in college that um i would play in different campaigns because people wanted me to play with them but it would be in a situation where you know it would be like three weeks while someone goes and does something. And so I would plop this character in this halfling uh, fighter rogue and I would plop him into the campaign for like three weeks. And then afterwards it'd just be, you know, he was a a worshiper of, he was the only worshiper of Zagig and he didn't know he was a worshiper of Zagig and Zagig is the mad God in Greyhawk. And so (laughs) he would move poor little Othgood around from campaign to campaign and place to place. And Othgood was this t- type of Zen character who would just be like, Oh, I'm here now. Okay. And <laughs> just do, do what he does. Uh, almost Kender like, uh, I, I was so sure the tent I went to sleep in last night was Brown. This one is green. Exactly. I must be mistaken. Exactly. Ooh, this is a different camp. I guess I'll have to find a way to make my living now. Hmm. Yep. Curious. You- you seem trustworthy. Um. <laughs> <laughs> but that is, I mean, the the thing about an NPC is that they are really, I mean, if you think about the, the structure of a storyline, we're starting to slide off our 2DM thing here a bit, but mm. you, you have your, your protagonists. And mm. since Dungeons and Dragons is an ensemble show, it's the protagonist group. You usually have one, maybe two antagonists and pretty much everybody else is an extra. Mm. Or... Or an aspiring actor who's excited to get one or two lines in the episode. And and that's all they get. Uh, in fact, I watched my Facebook feed lit up because there was a guy, a gentleman who's a friend of a friend who was in the second episode of Falcon and Winter Soldier. Oh, nice. <laughs> and he's credited despite right. no speaking lines. Right. Ah, because nice. he's the cop who tells the other cop who Falcon is. Uh, he doesn't actually oh. have a vocal line, but he turns like and does that. Like, yeah. Does seven, the, seven, seven, do you yeah. know who you're talking to? And the guy goes, oh! and so yeah. he has all the lines, but it's like, 
that's kind of like everybody else. Right. And right. and for NPCs, it's like it's weird to ask someone to be all of those bonus mm-hmm. items yeah. at the at the table when usually people want to say, I have this neat idea what would be fun to, to be for an evening. Yeah. I want to do this with it. Yeah. And and then you, that's kind of why we get together is that I want to be this tonight. Yeah. And that would be that would be uh, a good way like so uh I grew up with a lot of uh military around and and such and it would be a good way to have, you know, for instance, um we were playing uh um an Asian Adventures D&D campaign in second edition and a buddy of ours was in the navy Hmm. so he would be gone for months at a time so he came back and he wanted to be in the campaign and i i was a samurai and at that time in that book you could roll up and you could have hirelings and and you know all this stuff and so i had the the manservant character and when when my buddy came back <laughs> in the navy, he's like, "No, I, I just want to be. I want to be your butler. I'll be your, you know, your, <laughs> your." And of course, the all the lines, you know, I'll be your sword polisher, you know, and, and all that, all those, all those things. And and so yeah, it was a real, it was fun, and it in again, it cemented that to him into being a great you know, an endearing, lovable NPC because someone was actually playing him. Mm -hmm. So it would be great to have someone be, you know, a BBG or the quest giver or something in your in your game. Now, a variation on that is when you have, and I think this, this falls a little bit under two DMS when you have the, uh, a storyline where a turncoat is part of the plan and and you kind of are running two DMs at that time because the the player who's playing the turncoat, the one who's either going to sell the party out to the big bad evil guy and then join them or become the big bad evil guy, knows the storyline. They know the major plot points. They can help steer with you. Mm-hmm. And they're part of... And the, and the thing that I think is really underrated, for me at least in the writing side of this, is they can be the one to, to listen to you lay out the plan and go... Yeah, no, that's dumb. <laughs> that's that's not going to do what you think it's going to do. The party's not going to bite on that hook. Uh, let's let's workshop this. Mm-hmm. Let's what what if we do this? Yeah. Um, and then you can go. No, we're not doing that. But you're right. My work, my idea needs work. Um, and and that's what's so great about. Uh, uh oh, did you freeze? Nope. You froze for me. Hopefully, you didn't. Um. Uh, so great about being, you know, having all the online ability. All right. 
Uh, take two. Oh, uh, after a little technical <laughs> hiccup there, and hopefully those that are listening on the podcast enjoyed that little musical interlude. Uh, you were saying... Oh, uh, oh, what was I saying? Uh, two DMs? Two, two DMs. Um, turncoats. Turncoats. I have been asked on multiple occasions to come into particularly particularly uh, indoor adventures games and and play one of those more dubious characters because you know I'm generally kind of a a, a, a lovey huggy bear that everybody loves and so you know to be the to, to be the guy who does a bad thing is is very uh, fun and and interesting and most people uh, either totally fall for it or hate hate my character and don't know why but they're suspicious and so it oh it's always so fun to play it's always so fun to play yeah oh and that definitely is in that that realm of the the in the realm of the two dms Mm -hmm. which gets into like i think in a lot of ways if you're unless you're not if there's nothing wrong with running a kick down the door kill the monsters take their stuff move on Mm -hmm. kind of game i think if that's what you're running that's great as long as everyone's having a great time I think as more players look at more story-based games and more plot-based and character-based and, you know, what's my motivation again? Why are we here? What are we trying to do? Mm-hmm. Uh, and the answer is more than figure out the, what's living at the bottom of this dungeon and kill it. <laughs> There's more and more value to collaborative writing. Uh, even Even professional authors submit first drafts or draft outlines to an editor who uh, unless they're like jk rawlings or you know that kind of a character go through and go mm, nope 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 mm. nope let's hang on let's rework this section and then they yeah. go on to draft two and draft three and draft four before they get to a published book whereas i think a lot of dms especially i know myself when i was younger was like i have a game in a couple hours let me see if i can put an outline together mm-hmm. yep that'll work and then we're two hours in and i'm like pulling my hair out because they're not they're not going where I want them to go. They've killed off one of the NPCs they weren't supposed to kill off. They've like driven dead on at the final dude, but they don't mm-hmm. know why they're driving there. They just decided this is where we're going to head. And I'm like, no, there's like I have like eight pages of lore you have to get through first. Um, and you just get this like, well, what am I doing with this kind of a situation? Whereas in the collaborative setting, you have some time to kind of go, hmm okay let's let's plan this out let's talk it through is this going to work is this realistic um and that's like one of the best parts even if you're not actively co-dming at the table mm-hmm. there's so much value in in having that collaboration in the writing process yeah and and that's what i was saying when we had the the frozy blip because you were froze for me <laughs> and mm-hmm. so so i just kept talking but uh the thing i had said was the uh it's good to have the internet the way it is and have mm. discord chats yes. and, and all these other things because you have access to other people where, uh, you know, back in the day it used to be rough because we'd, we'd all be friends. And so it would be like, I can't tell you anything or, or, you know, someone else would be the DM and they'd be like, Oh, I so want to talk to you about this, but I can't. I you can't know, wait for this module to be over uh-huh. so I can tell you all the things you missed. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I've been down so, that road. Mm-hmm. That's a crazy road. Um, <laughs> not going to lie. Um, yeah. 
But, and I also think that the twist though, if you're going to do two DMs, it really is important that the two of you sit down and say, who's doing what? Yeah. Let's figure out the plan for how we're going to collaborate on this. Uh, my wife and I were very lucky in that we, we were able to very easily say, this is what I'm doing. This is what you're doing. We'd sit, we'd talk, we kick ideas around. Uh, we would delegate to each other. I was really into making maps yeah. and planning things. And she was very much into the, she's always been into biology. So mm. she was kind of in charge of figuring out our monsters, the ecology of the area the party was going through. Nice. Uh, we had one area they had just started in when we petered out that was like an old world forest the elves mm. all lived up in the tree they lived in the canopy mm. because there were apex predators on the floor like like allosaurus level right and right. and they they survived by eating the herbivores below them right and so there was like this strat that, that she had this whole map of the 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 layers within the canopy and, That's awesome. and you, you never went down out of the out of the top because you you lasted minutes <laughs> before something would find you because you you didn't have a thick hide it would have to claw through right kind right, of things right. so it, it really liked the idea of getting at you um that's awesome but that was totally her jam like she loved the idea of figuring all that out and and at one point we did the feral halfling thing with the riding raptors mm. i think i think either we saw that and said we're going to use that or we made it up i don't remember which because it's been so long but i feel like we did not make that up Ghost, ghostwise halflings. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so we saw it and went using it. Bam! <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, I uh, I did the same for uh, uh, my monster island part of my home campaign. The the halflings, the ghostwise halflings, because they could talk telepathically to one another, huh? and so they can sneak through the bushes and coordinate and you know get around the dinosaurs and stuff that are around Clever them. Girl. Yeah, yeah. It's very, very sweet. Um, but uh, yeah, and so let's uh, quickly hit some of the like horror stories of, of two DMs. Two, nothing worse than two DMs at a convention bickering. God. <laughs> Just going back and forth. And, and it, it all comes down to, like we said at the beginning, uh, the, the good parts, if you have two DMs and they communicate and they're on the same page, the bad parts are when they are not on the same yeah. page. And then if one walks away as the convention I'm thinking of, <laughs> the, if, if you aren't on the same page, then half the book just walked away and, <laughs> and the remaining DM is going to have a hell of a time running, you know, the whole game with only half the book yep. kind of deal. Um, Although I, I consider that preferable to the mm. okay now wait a minute does the fireball spill out in the hallway and hit the party or not well mm. if you read here it says this yeah but if you look over here in this rule mechanic for evokers it doesn't yeah but that doesn't yeah. apply here because there's not line of sight to the, to the landing point well, uh, true but it does apply and then now you have 10 15 20 minutes lost as the right. two lawyers are going through the law and the players are going um are, are we going to get to play today like that one, I'm even more terrified of. Yeah, um, yeah. So uh, I've seen the two DMs bicker. Um, I've seen, um, trying to think of other double DM things that were really bad. Um, 
Well, I know with um, yeah, that's the only one I can with LARPing. I've I've not seen one guy walk away. I've seen the you can't do that with your storyline because it's messing with my storyline. Uh, and, and I'm I'm a bigger DM than you are, so my storyline takes precedence. So you can't do the thing you want to be doing because I said you can't because it's going to mess with the thing I'm doing. Right. So, oh. you know, you go over there and that can be a really, that's tough because when it happened to me when I was helping run a LARP, I had a lot of players who were like, we really like what this guy's doing. We like the story. We like the mystery. I don't know if I've mentioned it before, but I actually, I had, I had, cre- I had homebrewed vampires with a unique weakness. And then I made a journal of a guy who tracked down the weakness uh, over nice. time. Like he was yeah. exploring, he was interacting. It was it was a, a full story of like six months yeah. of adventuring and piecing together what to use. And then I was using pages out of the journal as plot rewards. Uh-huh. So they would go off somewhere and they'd find a random page. Or right. they'd go over here and there was one weekend where I literally took a page out of the journal, I shredded it, threw it on the floor <laughs> in a dungeon. And it wasn't even my dungeon, it was somebody else's. Right. The party gets in there, they find the scrap of paper, and they look at, there's writing on here. There's writing on here. And they start gathering up. They went back to the tavern, and they glued it together with candle wax. Nice. <laughs> you know, they laid it all out, and they pieced it all together, and they had this page that they had spent like all this time making. But there were times where it was like, well... I know you want to keep running your vampire story, but it's interfering with this other plot we're trying to run and our plot's more important. So you can't do any more vampire stuff this weekend. Right. And Uh. then the players who liked it were like, but we, we want to do more of the vampire stuff. Mm -hmm. We want to go interact with his manservant. We want to go like explore this. So it gets, it was, it was really a bummer that there wasn't better out of game communication about, laying out what was happening when yeah yeah it'd be, i i can't even imagine having multiple marshals on the field with different storylines mm-hmm. you know i mean it we the the years that we ran that way it was this is the story this is what's happening and whatnot and it it can change depending on what people do but it's not Never did we go, oh, dude, no, the zombie thing can't happen this year because X, Y, or Z, you know. Because we're already doing a a bug thing, Mm -hmm. and we want the bug thing to escalate over the course of the day, but it's a different Mm -hmm. kind of infection system. Yeah, and the question from from the the chat, how do you resolve a story issue with two DMs without having to duel? Um, Well, you can't. I mean, I mean, you can, but it comes down to you have to go in with an idea of what's our conflict conflict resolution policy. Yeah, it is like any relationship. Okay, we've mm-hmm. we've hit an impasse. What's our procedure for getting out of the impasse? Because we can't, we just can't sit here. Right. At a certain yeah, point, yeah. we have to move on. Or, or yeah, or even it wouldn't be much of a conflict if one if one person acquiesced immediately i mean that would be like okay this session you know you just finish you know lantern you finish out this session because you've got this groove going in this direction awesome 
I will I will help with admin stuff. You know, right. I'll help people with their dice or roll or that kind of thing. Um, which that right there alone has led me to the the other co DM thing. Like when you've got a bunch of new players, sometimes <laughs> sometimes yep. uh, you just have you just have a co GM who's there for administrative parts. You know, to help new players or to uh, this was one that I've always liked is, you know, use your rule lawyers. If you have a rules lawyer at the table, just, do, yep. Uh, you know, hey, Pruitt, what's the, <laughs> what, how many, how many dice is a fireball? 66, you know, and you're just, yep. you're just fine with it. Those, that's the way we're going to play it. Cause he knows the numbers better than I, <laughs> than I do. Although, you know, what's you know? nice. I hate to say this. Um, thinking about running Dungeons and Dragons at cons coming up is being able to say devices encouraged mm, and then mm. saying, here's your character on D and D beyond. Yes, yep. you're new. Uh, I'll help you get logged in in the first 10 minutes and pick your character up. Mm. And then every, all that, what dice do I roll? What spell slots do I have? All of that is automated. Mm-hmm. And and it's good to have that second person. Like I'd say, I can still see myself saying, Hey, Greg, do you want to co DM with me when we do, when I do my Ravenloft thing? Yeah. Um, it'd be great to have someone else there for the, just to help the new players. Cause I want to make it a new, new player event. I want their, their yeah. first Dungeons and Dragons to be epic. Exactly. Um, and so you can, you can kind of do that, but it does come like with the LARP, it became one where, the people who owned it, the people who did the most work, and then everybody else was like the hierarchy. So the people who owned it had the ability to veto the people who put the most work in, who had the ability to veto everybody else when it came to storylines. Yeah. The issue is that middle tier often didn't really know what the the chain of command was within that middle tier. Mm. And that's where, I'll be honest, I 20-year-old me did not handle it well. And there were conflicts of like, no, I've put in more work than you have on this LARP. I get priority this weekend. Yeah. Um, and I think the person who I, I had my conflict with was, was just as fair to say, no, I have put as much work, more work in than you have. <laughs> I have the right to tell you, you can't do that. Um, yeah. And, you know, Heinz, 20 years of hindsight makes it a lot easier to go. Yeah, <laughs> that could have been handled a hell of a lot better than it was. <laughs> um <laughs> You know, that was that was pushing the envelope for what people wanted in a in a LARP. But that's really I mean, you have to you have to make a plan early to resolve those conflicts. When my wife and I ran our tabletop game together, it was just kind of understood. I was the arbiter of the rules. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And because somebody had to be the final statement of, okay, but this is how that that rule works. It's over. We're moving on. Um, and it never really, like there were conversations, but for the most part, we tended to be, we, we tended to be the, well, let's just figure it out as we go along kind of group. Yeah. And we'll look at the rules over the course of the month to see if we screwed any of them up. Um, I would say the, the only other one that I can think of, and it's not necessarily, uh, bad or good, but a dual DM situation is, when someone is running a campaign or has run a campaign for a very long time and then someone else is like can i i want to run something in your world and <laughs> and uh and whether then that the 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 person who created the the reality is a player or just a secondary arbiter 
it's really interesting to see, uh, you know, DMs, particularly if they're polite or whatever, be like, uh, Dave, <laughs> uh, do blue dragons, you know, blah, 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 you know, you, you know, do you hit them with that question or does this even exist in the world or, uh, you know, see, see the person then call on the, the GM or, mm -hmm. or whatever as the encyclopedia, you know, <laughs> the, the knowledge base. And that's in a, in a good polite group, that's going to happen a lot more too when mm. it's a guest DM. So right. like I've been running this campaign, it's a homebrew world. I'm going to let Jeremy run an adventure for three weeks. Uh, and it's going to get back to the main storyline afterwards. There's a lot of incentive for him to look yeah. at me and go, wait, wait, okay, did I, did I do this right? Can I, <laughs> can I do this in your world or is that going to break something? And that's a sign of a good, that's a sign of a good friendship at the table because mm -hmm. everyone's on the same page of we're trying to build this narrative and we're being, we're showing some deference to the people that have put the most work in on the narrative that don't want that work undone. Yeah. 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 Cause it's, it's one thing to do, to do or not do work. It's another thing to undo work <laughs> to go, Oh yeah, you laid all this foundation and now we're, I'm going to throw out a cure for vampirism and all you have to do is feed them a garlic pizza. Right. And exactly. there that's the end of vampires in the world now. And you're like, Whoa, 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 wait, what? We've been six months. And we're resolving it that way. Yes. Really? Yeah, exactly. That, uh, um, or the dread, uh, you know, well, the, the, um, uh, the award for the adventure. Oh, it's not right here. I, I was going to say the award for the adventure is the, you know, hammer of dwarvish lords. Here you go. <laughs> and you're like, uh that's a legendary item they're like third level um uh, they, uh game over you know <laughs> my my next 25 sessions are just done because you'll call lightning you'll throw the hammer everything will die you know it's uh you'll be fifth level before you know it kid oh <laughs> uh, so you see that as a problem i see this as like okay so at the first part of next session they're kicking butt and taking names the second half of the session, the dwarves want their hammer back. Hammer back. <laughs> exactly. And they brought yeah. friends. Yeah. You know, there's there's one dwarf down in the tavern. I understand, laddie, that you have the hammer of the dwarven lords. <laughs> I do. I think I'll be taking that back on behalf of the seven kings. Exactly. Well, I, I don't think you will. Oh, you don't, do you, son? <laughs> Tweet. Trump, 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 trump. They look out the windows. Oh, I guess we don't have to ask you and what army. <laughs> and that's where, oh my God, that's when you, that's when you have players who are like, you know, they're like, you know, oh, this looks like a target rich environment. <laughs> You're like, no. Oh In fact, you know, now, um, now that we've introduced this, like this would be the best plot hook. Give mm. a first level party an epic item and then make it <laughs> deathly clear every time they use it. Mm -hmm. There's a risk that a lot much bigger fish yeah. are going to come after them. You're going to want that, that. Yeah. And so it becomes a case of, okay, we can use it, but is it worth it? Yeah. You know, oh, look, I can turn invisible, but the ring wraiths know where I'm at suddenly. <laughs> exactly. Wow. I'm not as creative as I thought I was.
or 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 you're uh you know uh as creative as some other uh amazing authors that's fair that's fair i'll take the credit for that that's a that's a good good compromise (laughs) between the two um it's chat pizza is is so powerful pizza is incredibly powerful Lamba spread um, for gamers. <laughs> indeed, 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 indeed. It's the one thing I really miss about the the in person stuff is that like that hour of eating pizza, having beer, catching up on what's been going on. It's you can do it on Zoom, but it's still not quite the same. Um, <laughs> that's, that's basically what our last Saturday was. Was there was no dice throw, no yep. character sheets gotten out. It was that you know for like two hours of of snacky goodness without being around the same table. Yeah, which you know it's we're getting there, we're getting mm. there, and I know I'm going to keep some. I know when this is all over, I'm keeping some of my online games. I'm going to keep my streams going, but I am looking forward to getting at least one in person game going again. In fact, I think that vampire plot. The more I think about it, I think I'm going to have to resurrect. Yeah, and, yeah, and yeah. use again because it's such a it was I put so much work into prepping that darn thing. Yeah, and and my biggest mistake with it, my biggest mistake I think is I didn't go to the people that played the high level characters, and mm. sit down with them and say, I want to do this for the newbies. Mm. I need you to agree to let me do it for the newbies, right? Because all of their super duper high end power didn't do what they wanted to do. They couldn't fix it over a weekend yeah so they complained mm. and then they complained that there was this big bad evil that all these new characters were off fighting without them and that's not fair <laughs> and, and the whole point was it was supposed to be a group of i don't know if i mentioned this before but i actually had at one moment uh the big bad evil guy showed up mm. in town as he often did and he sat down to a game of chess with an apparition that rep- oh. and the app- apparition played white and he played black yeah and the entire we had scripted the entire game of chess so that the winning move was upon reaching the eighth rank becoming a queen and causing check yeah we worked we worked the game of chess backwards from that point to an initial table state oh man and then we played the game out right 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 and and the whole point of that scene was meant to inspire the players like holy crap the pawn won the game yeah that's what did it the pawn forced check or forced mate and that was the whole premise of the thing was supposed to be let the let the kids get a chance to play yeah you people have been here for three years you're too powerful you take up every plot that's interesting Mm -hmm. and and do it on your own and and they're all left with the Oh, here's something that, you know, hey, there's a kid that needs to be walked home. You go walk into the obvious ambush. Yeah. Um, there shall be goblins. Um. Yeah. So, which is why the town has a standing policy that unattended children will put to death immediately. Nah. Why take the risk? Most, you know, demons are coming. Yeah, in, in a LARP, most unattended children are plot tools to ambushes. That's just how it works. So, but, but that gets into that, like, you know, when you're working with another player, another person, Mm. have a plan for, for resolution, have a plan for rules, who's in charge of it. Um, and I think it piggybacks off ears comment earlier, um, give everybody agency, right? 
give them something that they can own so they're not just there as a bot yeah 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 um yeah the um i think i think we kind of got that covered right? i think we did i think we did when are you uh, going to be up and about next where should we be looking for you that'll be thursday it's up in the air though we one of our players said they would be out mm-hmm. but they said one week but then on their social media they're saying two but so it should be indoor adventures thursday 8 30 uh, p.m i'll be playing cody johnson hero unnamed in a masks <laughs> game so that's uh that's what's next up for me sweet and then i'll be back tomorrow night uh 7 7 30 ish depending on when the table fills up and we finally push the live button um mm-hmm. for the second adventure in the candlekeep mystery series uh this is going to be fun because it has to do with uh books that bite oh nice nice that's, nice nice i don't think that's too much of a spoiler if anyone stumbles onto this and they haven't seen it yet um, mm-hmm. but that's it's gonna be such fun and we're gonna have a blast um and then my usual weekend stuff as i'm still figuring out what game to play next Mm. I know it's it's like I was so geeked for Arkham Horror and I'm like okay now I can play whatever I want on Fridays and Saturdays and stream it and <laughs> I don't know what to play yeah that was uh, one of the very first games that we we bought for mm, PlayStation or whatever the newest latest greatest was and we finished it in a weekend and we were like well, huh <laughs> it was like 12 13 hours of get, uh is there more you know yep. you know you just the games games are that way now you yeah. know hey but so. you know it was a great i loved every second playing it i'm i'm it, i would have spent four times that to go see a good movie with the, with with mrs noir so mm-hmm. i call it good all right well if you had a good time listening to this and you found us on apple itunes please leave a review we'll shout you out next week and if you whisper us on on twitch or send an email to the oldtimer tavern at gmail.com. We will throw in a free Lantern Noir sticker. I have stickers coming this week. Um, it's the it's the D20 of my sub badges. And oh. I've rela- I replaced the, the 12 from the 12 month with the, the LN for Lantern Noir. So I'm, I'm going to officially have stickers we can start giving away. And I'm happy to throw a sticker at you as a, as a thank you for leaving your honest opinion. Leave whatever review you think is fair. Um, but any reviews on the podcast platform of your choice will help other people find this this podcast and bring their ideas to the table because we do this live on Twitch at twitch.tv slash lantern noir as a way of inviting you to be part of these conversations. While we know we know everything, we're welcome to have other people try to tell us we're wrong. <laughs> that's half the fun. That's, I think that's whiskey talking. That's, 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 <laughs> I don't know. With our years behind us, we're pretty sure we know everything. Oh, no. I don't have that. that. I just, uh, <laughs> Always room for improvement. And that couldn't be the whiskey talking. The whiskey glass is empty. Empty. Yeah. That's all, there's no whiskey there. <laughs> Duh. Um, all right. Any parting thoughts until next time, my friend? Who, uh, you know, I always try stuff. So sometime try try a try a two DM. See what happens. You know, I would I would invite you to pick up that gauntlet and 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 give it a shot and take our advice as best you can. And uh, good luck. <laughs> Absolutely. And please, please, please make sure that wherever you are, whatever you are doing. Stay safe.